internet. You know, I'm having a hard time believing she's someone's aunt. My name is Matthew Kroll. And my name is Shahir Dowd. Matthew Kroll, I know that you know a lot of super people, so I want to thank you for thanking of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Ant-Man. You like and how I did that? This is the only <laughs> podcast about movies, and this is the episode, the only podcast about Captain America Civil War. You've been waiting for this, haven't I've you? I've been waiting for this my whole life, but more importantly, Shahir... We have a special guest on the line from across the nation. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, please welcome writer, game designer, and co-creator of the absolutely fantastic internet series Extra Credits, one of the smartest men I know, Mr. James Portnow. James? Thank you for having me on. I've been trying to get you on the show for a little bit now. Well, I had to be on. I mean, why aren't people talking about Captain America Civil War? So I had to be on the only podcast about it. I know. We've we, been looking. We haven't found anything. Right, nothing. We, we are as shocked as you. This seems to be a rather large movie, uh, and people just, no one's talking about it. Yeah, Facebook's silent. I yeah. know, yeah, no one's no one's concerned. No <laughs> one's uh, making controversy where there is none. Uh, <laughs> it's almost like the internet's not even there anymore. Oh, my God. How do we even broadcast? I don't know. But, James, uh, I, I met you uh, when I was totally bone sober at PAX East <laughs> about a year and a half ago. <laughs> And, I do believe uh, you I'm nearly believe fell this. into my lap while I was sitting in the leather chair. I do remember that <laughs> so, moment distinctly. It was like 1.30. Did, did he spot you across the room and kind of gently saunter over to you? Say, hello, <laughs> I, James. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it gently. So I, I stumbled. <laughs> but yeah, so we've been uh, chatting and working on some things in our in our past time. And I wanted to have you on here because you and I were talking actually while playing a game of Hearthstone about uh, Captain America Civil War. Indeed. And, uh, and what, um, just real quick in the beginning, what's your sort of history? I mean, your sort of background with Marvel or the MCU or comics in general. So I, I love, uh, both the MCU and Marvel. I, I used to be more of a DC person, mm -hmm. but I actually love the Bizarro Land stuff, right? Like the Invisibles is probably my favorite comic. Uh, yes. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, I need to finish that. And I mean, Sandman, obviously all that sort of thing, but I love those moments where sort of comics decide they can do something more than just tell an exciting story, uh, which is why I love things like, like Red Sun, like a lot of the famous Batman right. yep. uh, one-offs. But it's also one of the reasons why I was so intrigued by them trying to bring Civil War to the big screen, especially because Civil War, the comic books, a lot of the things they're talking about, about a surveillance state and all this sort of thing, are not viable within the way they've constructed the Marvel Universe right. for the big screen. Yeah. yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, I have not read Civil War, but there is an element to Civil War that gets very, very kooky towards the end, like the nether region or something like that. Or Oh, no, you're thinking yeah. of the negative zone. The negative Shahir. zone. The <laughs> yeah. nether region. The nether region. You're thinking of a <laughs> wow. different book I think, altogether. I think I was reading the porno, porno version of Civil War. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, no, yes, the, the, we, we'll get into sort of but the that, differences. That, the, yeah, you're right, it's not, James. It's not any kookier than the rest of the comic book Marvel Universe. <laughs> it's not something that could be done in the movies at this point, No, not, right? not before a Doctor Strange or a Fantastic Four movie that doesn't make you want to vomit. Yeah. I'm, I'm scribbling down the nether region as the nether <laughs> Yeah, I believe that's in Sex Criminals. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm yes. reading Sex Criminals, actually. I love it. It is great. Someone it's told so me good. that there was a good comic called Sex Criminals, and I thought they were messing with me, and then I read uh, it, and I was like, you are correct. Is, yeah, this is, it's such a great comic. Everyone should read Sex Criminals, and then feel ashamed for ordering it on Amazon. <laughs> it is no good to have it on the Amazon list, and the things I recommend for it. You might also like dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but don't yeah, so Google it. I would highly recommend against <laughs> Googling it. 
too late. Um, <laughs> but before we get into the meat and or potatoes of this epic superhero battle, Shahir, I believe you have some housekeeping you want to, to go through a little well, bit. Well, we've kind of done a little bit of that already, but I just wanted to introduce us. My name is Shahir Dowd. That is Matthew Kroll. We are two filmmakers based in New York City who work on films, TV, short films, music videos, all sorts of film-related, uh, film and television-related work. And uh, we typically broadcast on a Monday, but we're coming to you a little late this time. Uh, we needed more time. This is too big. But we did give you a bonus episode, so shut the fuck up. Yeah, it was about uh, a kitty. <laughs> James, did you see Keanu? I have not gotten to see Keanu yet. Should I? Um, I can't believe you <laughs> that's all I need to hear. There you go. There you go. It's, uh, uh, wait, get it at home. When you were at the movies, I can't believe you looked at Keanu, Civil War, Keanu, Civil War, <laughs> Keanu, Civil War, and well, for, Keanu. for a long time, I thought they were the same movie. Oh, wow. Right. Just a cat in the middle. Yep. Right. Like, make total um, sense. I mean, what could improve Civil War other than having a small cat in it? Right, oh it has a large cat in it. Yeah, well, right. The <laughs> I'm sure we can get into that. In a minute. <laughs> um, and uh, you can uh, email us uh, about anything we've said, anything ridiculous we've said, uh, at onlymoviepodcast at gmail .com or at only uh, hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Just like our friend Josh. Krasowski. Oh yeah, you butchered that. <laughs> I butchered you that. butchered that. What's funny is I know Josh as well. I've Good made job. A, um, who wrote us in about our review of Green Room. James, have you seen Green Room? I really want to. That's actually on my list. Uh, is it good? Yes. It's fantastic. Yes. Uh, although we, we had kind of a minor opinion about it, which was that Without giving away our review or giving away any spoilers, we, we both think it's a fantastically made film, right. but not necessarily the most engaging film. Yes. Unlike Josh, who wrote this in, uh, he said, uh, just wanted to say hi. I saw your green room yesterday and listened to your podcast. I think that you guys might both like this film with repeat, repeat viewings. The world wasn't totally spelled out for me, but there was enough for me to stay engaged and believe what was happening. It actually might be a testament to the film that you guys didn't fully engage with any of the characters, hmm. but still liked the movie and yeah. found it frightening. No? What do you think about that? I, I mean, uh, I don't think I ever found it frightening, frightening. I think I, there was a lot of disturbing. Yeah. Uh, and James, especially if you've, uh, we talked a little bit about it in our previous one, about how violence, especially even in a Marvel movie, is mm. very cartoony, very, you know, slapsticky, even when it's serious, you know? Mm -hmm. So in, in Green Room, it takes violence and brings it back to the base almost of just like, it feels wrong. Like Violence is true violence. Yeah. It's, it's not, the kind that makes you think, this should not be happening. Right. Uh, and so I was ever scared. I was disturbed. And, right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, maybe I'd, I'd happily watch it again. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> that says something about you. Those two sentences juxtaposed. The super disturbing violence. I'd be happy to watch it again. <laughs> and just the, uh, the last comment from, uh, from Josh is, lastly, I think Solnier isn't nearly as misanthropic or misogynistic enough to be akin to pick and pile. Yeah, we made uh, that reference. One of the things we said was that his... Um, uh, Solny, Jeremy Solnier's direction uh, was akin to Sam Pickenpah's in the way that he makes violence feel visceral feel and wrong. Um, he goes on to say, we'll see where his career goes, but some of Solnier's violence doesn't seem to be much of a spectacle as Pickenpah's did. Uh, Solnier's films so far remind me more of John Schlesinger's Marathon Man or a bit of The Day of the Locust. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, you know what? The, th the, the thing that interested me about that comment is the, the misogyny element. Now, I know... I mentioned Straw Dogs as a film um, in reference to Green Room. Right. Um, and that is a comment, uh, that is a, uh, a claim thrown at Straw Dogs quite a lot, that it is a misogynistic film. 
Um, and certainly that's not something I felt about Green Room. No. So maybe the pick and pot reference might have been a little too loose. Um, maybe just a style that he, like the violent style is more yeah, of it's what the we're style, Not but, like that it was a mirror image. But uh, perhaps, yeah, we could look for, I mean, I, I've i seen a few Schlesinger films, not too many. So maybe it's a reference worth checking out. So I might do that. All in all, Josh, thank you for correcting us. We always appreciate when... Uh and uh, yeah, we, we get opinions that that we're like, oh yeah, we were a little bit, we were a little bit overzealous there. Uh, so check out our review of Green Room, and again, uh, email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail and uh, Twitter at onlymoviepod. But enough about that. Oh, we're not here so to talk about that. About I am so, guys, <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, I, James, you've only known me for a little bit uh, over a year. Shahir's known me sadly for far too long. <laughs> too so long that I know exactly what you're gonna say. And I know, and that's sad, but I don't, I don't, I don't care. Um, this is uh, I've been waiting for this uh, for a long, long time. I was one of the people that actually really liked ninety, ninety five percent of the Civil War. I think James, we talked about this briefly, right, of the comic. Well, and uh, for me, I actually also liked the comic, but because it was one of those attempts within canon, right? Very rarely do you see Marvel or DC not in a one-off or not in one of their lesser characters really try and tackle major social issues. Yes. And here, regardless of how ham-handed you think they did it, regardless of what you think about the actual comic, I really like them trying to take all these characters, which everyone loved, and saying, let's use these to provide different perspectives on something that's really going on, to use these as a lens to examine our real life, which I thought was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was I, I had no idea how they would touch on the same sort of, I guess, emotion. Let's just call them story points as the comic without doing the story of the comic. Well, like and they, they can't right. do the story of the comic because there's you don't have the secret identity thing. Right. Yeah, that was the whole completely. big thing. And you don't have the nether region. No nether region. <laughs> <laughs> so what um, is it? What's Civil War about? Civil War, I'm going to do what you do, Shahir. I'm going to read the IMDb one one little bit blurb. Hit me. Political interference in the Avengers activities cause a rift between former allies Captain America and Iron Man. And that's it. Insane. That's all they say. Sold. I'm uh, buying this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, it's much more complex than that. Um, but if we want to, I mean, let's let's do that. Let's sort of break down some of the major the major differences at least in the setup in the beginning of this uh in the beginning of this film and what sort of causes this breakdown between the characters and sort of ideological shifting uh in the comic james it was it was something that happened in stanford connecticut right it was a tragedy yeah with that that whatever that young super team was uh the the new warriors yes yes and they basically were filming their reality show in the comic book Follow me on this one, people. They were filming their reality show about being superheroes in the Marvel comic book, uh, and they were trying to take down some D-list supervillains hiding out in a house in Stanford, Connecticut. And one of those D-list supervillains was a villain by the name of Nitro, whose mutant power is to just explode. <laughs> and uh, he'd never exploded this much, but in the comics, basically, he explodes and kills 600 people, including in that radius is a school full of children. This kickstarts a whole thing about, you know, superheroes need to be regulated. They're just vigilantes. The government uh, needs to start controlling this or, or else what are we doing? And um, in this film, they 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 kind of do something, again, not as heinous, but I was curious what the catalyst was going to be to to not mirror, but be the be the spiritual sort of thing of that uh, of that moment. 
Well, and what I love about the catalyst in this film is that, I mean, obviously the catalyst, and I'm assuming we are allowed to, since this is the only podcast on this, we're allowed to spoil things. We, 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 we can, we can talk about like the first third right now, let's say, but let's will, not, we will spoil in, in, a, in due time. Yes. But uh, you can talk about what you're going to talk about. So just there is that the inciting incident is a, um, a case in which the Avengers go to save someplace and in doing so cause substantive collateral damage. And what I liked about this, they have done many times. Right. Right. (laughs) And, but the difference between this and the civil war comics that I really liked is here, they place it squarely at the feet of the Avengers, right? The Avengers did this. And so you can't say that the Avengers are, are different, right? They're not the young warriors or whatever the other team was, Mm -hmm. right? They're not, they're not the inexperienced crew. No, this is, this is the fault of the Avengers. And we've in fact seen this happen numerous times throughout the film. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, Throughout all the Marvel movies, the thing I like about this film and uh, James Shahir and I go back and forth about like continuity between movies. He's not a huge fan of sort of the the spiraling, almost episodic nature of the Marvel films, where I think it it lends itself to some greatness that we'll be talking about in a little bit. But uh, something a a a real criticism Shahir has about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is it's starting to feel stale in a sense, like there's. The stakes aren't that big. No one's really like things just happen and then it's over and it sort of just feels like it's going to roll into the next thing that happens. And then it's over. You know, like there's no there's no there's no I, I, importance to, to paraphrase myself. Yeah, um, it, I, I generally feel like every Marvel film tends to be built on the same template and tends to repeat itself. And and moreover, I feel like this is a universe with no end. And, and what I mean by that is that they're just continually building up to some next movie. And every time I see a fellow film like Ant-Man, for, for example, I tend to get a little less invested in the whole, the whole enterprise. What's interesting to me is I actually genuinely, generally I agree with that statement, but I actually think that Civil War was a departure from yes. the formula. Yes. When when we get into our opinions, we'll talk about that because I I without spoiling my opinion, I I somewhat agree. Oh, with you. good. He's <laughs> going to be snarky about it. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's very true, and I think you know I I enjoy the other Marvel movies. I can I can sort of get past the fact that they're a little bit formulaic because they do different things. Winter Soldier was obviously a political thriller. Ant Man was a heist movie. It's you know the structure and the outcome is always sort of the same up until now, up until Civil War, but I like it because they do change up at least the style of the film for me. But now with Civil War, and this is something that we really haven't seen, ah, God, in in a piece of cinema, in a story in the movies this long, this long and like this, so, you know, far in the making, this, Captain America Civil War is the consequences, the personal consequences for the Avengers that have built up to this breaking point in this film. And that's why I like it as a departure. Like you said, James, it's it's all of the shit that we've just sort of been brushing to the side and like, ah, it's superhero movie, whatever. All of a sudden now people are talking about it. Like characters actually are feeling things and talking and trying to deal with basically mistakes and fallout and backlash from things that they've done across what, 11 other movies? 13. Thir- well, 12, I guess, right? Or is this the 13th? <laughs> this is the I'm 13th glad you guys can't even agree on fact. No, the, <laughs> this is 13th if you include the Incredible Hulk, the Louis Leteria film. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but not the Ang Lee Hulk. <laughs> 
Um, no one includes the Ang Lee Hulk. So, so James, we've kind of got a sense of what you you uh, uh, as an overall opinion about this movie. Before we get into spoilers, I mean, what what did you what did you think? Right. So for me, I actually thought I I mean I like the fact that it was slower paced. Uh, that there was a lot more uh, diving into the characters between the action scenes. Um, I like the fact that they present a number of opinions, but most of all, I mean, for me, again, the thing that I found intriguing is that this is a film that's fundamentally about police oversight, right? And whether or not we, whether or not it's okay to have people operating with that level of vigilantism. And the difference between this and the Civil War comics for me is the Civil War comics, while that was in there, really focused on the idea of a surveillance state and right. our allowance of anonymity and all this sort of thing. Whereas here, it's very clear that the main thing they want to discuss is whether or not a a unregulated whether or not unregulated power is okay. And I thought they actually did a pretty good job of it. Right. No, yeah. I, yeah. I think I. Um, if, if we get into my opinion now, I. Oh no. I just. <laughs> no, why don't no, James? No, listen. Why don't James and I just talk about it for like another forty-five minutes, and, and then at the end, Shahir, you can come shit in our cereal. I, I know you've just been waiting to get me out of this room. <sighs> I know this is the moment you've been waiting to usurp me. <laughs> <laughs> Brutus. <laughs> what say you? No, uh, I. The funny thing was, uh, I saw the movie and I tweeted to Matt afterwards because I know Matt was kind of waiting for me to shit all over this movie as soon as <laughs> I saw it. And the fact of the matter is, I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it. I uh, take that, Matt. Yeah. How are you going to deal? I was only taking a sip of my beer and I was about to spit it across <laughs> the room, but there's expensive equipment around me, so I decided <laughs> against it. I, you know, like uh, there are many praises to be heaped upon this film. Um, for what? me, I mean, don't hold hold okay. your beer for okay. a second. Hold okay. your beer. Okay. Um, for me, one of the the you know, like I, we'll get into the actual political ideology of the film at some point, but I think just from a pure balancing act uh the Rousseau brothers are taking care you know a number of characters and, yes. it, and it's it's surprising to me that this film isn't called Avengers 2.5 or Avengers 3 yeah um because it is ostensibly an, an Avengers film um and what's surprising about it is, is it does a remarkably good job of balancing all the characters out across a fairly complex timeline the plate balancing in this movie is nuts yeah I, I don't and and even if you don't, you know, story or, or anything sort of like, or even the, the MCU in general, anyone can look at this film if they understand sort of the pedigree and see the amount, like the amount of story that's being told and told correctly and sort of well with like, it's respecting every character, everyone, like no one got the short end of the stick here. Well, what blows even me away is I was watching this and comparing it with Game of Thrones Right, and right. as much as I like Game of Thrones, right, the the ability to give every character a lot of both characterization and plot momentum mm -hmm. and time. I mean, this is only a, what, two and a half, three hour film? Yeah, um, two and, hours and 40, I think. Yeah, so I mean, it's a kind of long film. But if you think about that, that's that's two, three episodes of Game of Thrones and a lot, mm -hmm. lot more got done here and a lot more got said about the characters. Well, that yeah. said, though, it is uh, off the back of 12 other movie, or 12 other, you know, of 24 hours of content of you, you know, two hours per movie that have built up to this movie. We um, are in six seasons of Game of Thrones. That is that, true. That's true. That yeah. is true. 
Um, but so I, I do like, I definitely think the amount of balance that this film strikes is remarkable. Um, and the, the way in which the story unfolds is continually engaging to me. I was, I was continually kind of going, huh, this is happening. And, and they would do things like throw in Black Panther, for example, in a way that was, that, that would seem to be confusing and ridiculous in any other film, but it seemed to work very well in this movie because they, they, they managed to strike the right balance of holding back information until it was absolutely necessary. Yes. You're right. As much as I cheekily says that we're six seasons of Game of Thrones, we're also 50 years of comic history here. Sure. And yeah. uh, they do have the advantage specifically that comic superhero heroes have where those superheroes are an archetype, right? And so yeah. the first thing they do with Black Panther, with whoever else, is present this really immediately understandable archetype and then as it progresses, they give you the granularity. Yes. But you're able to immediately get what that character is or whatever character they introduce because they have just this really, really strong, almost almost ridiculously defined archetypes. Yeah. yeah. And they did that with something that I loved about Black Panther in this movie, and it makes me, I was excited for his standalone film before. Now I'm doubly excited because we just got his origin story seamlessly meshed yeah. into this film, like why he now has the mantle of Black Panther, not what the Black Panther is and what, because you can do tons of sort of stuff with yeah. that and make it really interesting. But now we don't need to have this like father revenge thing in his standalone movie. Now we can just get down to the essence of what Black Panther is. And I really appreciate and, and, and kind of no pun intended Marvel at how they did that. Mm. And, 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 and on the flip side, how they handled Spider-Man, they did it sort of the opposite way, but it still worked. They realized metally that we all know who Spider-Man is, and they leaned into that with a couple little twists. Like, I liked they, they gave him a little bit of personality, like he was kind of a junker, which I kind of enjoyed. That's a very Peter Parker-esque thing to do. Also, Marissa Tomei's Aunt May. All right. All right. I'll, I'll take it. Um, so little things like that, especially Tony's interaction with her. But uh, so I liked it. The two the two main characters, the two new main characters, I guess you'd say I was, I think, rightfully just sort of worried about like, oh, how are they going to what? OK. All right. Like my excitement was was tempered. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I like I said, I think they do a really good job of that. And again, I think I think the um, the kind of staging and, and there's a there's a globe. <sighs> a global sense to this film. We're constantly traversing from country to country, which is kind of very yes. James Bourne or, uh, sorry, James, uh, Jason Bourne. <laughs> oh, James, James Bourne? Bourne. I was James a, Bourne. Half my brain was in James Bond and half my brain was in Jason Bourne. And yep. now I realize they're the same person. What? Um, no, one is British. Um, so, so I did enjoy all of that. Um, I, and, and you know, like, like I say, Matt, for most of the time, uh, unlike many of the other Marvel movies we watch where I just, I tend to switch off at about the 20 minute or 30 minute mark. This had me going the whole way through. And I think what's great about this is the third act reveal yes. is far more interesting yes. than anything we've seen probably up to this point. Yes. So by uh, the way, I, because of how they had conditioned me with the other Marvel films and with the Marvel formula, I was genuinely not expecting that to be the third act reveal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, neither was I. And when it, when it, in fact, and it wasn't the odd thing about it was, and we'll get into spoilers is that it wasn't a reveal as much. It wasn't like a, Oh my God, I didn't see that coming reveal. It was like a, wait, what just happened? Oh, and it was kind of like one of those great reveals that, that forces you to think and engage in the narrative in a way that I think is, is really engaging. And it's, it's again, I wouldn't have expected it 
from a Marvel movie and I wouldn't have expected it done this thoughtfully in a Marvel movie. So I was kind of, I was impressed by that. And I mean, you, what you said is absolutely right. I love that sort of reveal that make that recontextualizes all the previous narrative. Yes. And that's exactly what it did for me. Um, that said, uh, you know, like one of my, I, I, would, I knew it. I knew it, James. <laughs> he was going to turn it. You've been you've been waiting to. I can see you're he's, so excited to talk about. He's this literally movie. embracing me, right? But his <laughs> hand is reaching for the knife in the back. <laughs> um, look, no, I I do the. There are some general underpinnings that I think are probably just nitpickings at this point. But you know, one of the. I mean, and this is kind of a, a just a sort of ironic thing, which is that I think one of the best things that could have happened to this movie, even though it is a good movie on its own terms, is that Batman v Superman came out <laughs> like a month before and basically illustrated how not to do this movie. Right. So that so 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 if Batman v Superman just lowered your expectations just enough. This this film managed to knock it out of the park. Well, I feel like the the thirteen year old like rabid fanboy in me wants to kick Batman v Superman while it's down and pointing to all the things this movie did sort of better that was and this one executed perfectly where that one did. But I also think it's it's not fair. It's but not it, fair. It's not fair. But it really did like Batman v Superman was such a low point for me that that I was just the thought of going into another superhero head to head movie kind of was just kind of a bummer. Sure. Uh, um, so, so it, it, it's 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 a kind of a fortunate coincidence that that timing happened like that. Well, it was because because if Batman v Superman had come out and then Ant Man had come out, for example, I don't think I don't think Ant Man would have rede- you know like really brought me back to the Marvel side. A little sure, bit. but at the same time, I, I will say this, and it, it mm-hmm. the it, the the writing is on the wall. Like it's so funny because you can just even tell the amount of care for the story based on the titles. Like yeah. you can, you really can. Like one is just like, oh, this is about two people punching each other in the face, and one has a lot. Just civil war sort of means a whole bunch of different things, right. and it's really important that they call it Captain America Civil War, yes, uh, rather than the Avengers Civil War, simply sure. because of what that evokes and what civil war evokes in America. Yep, sure, um, absolutely, yes. yeah, yeah. I, I, I do think there's some interesting philosophical undertones to this film and and, it, and an interesting political conflict that's happening right at the middle, middle of it. That said, Uh-oh. the my understanding of what happens in the comic books in terms of the 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 civil the, the superhero registration act yes is much even though I've not read that comic book is much clearer to me than the the actual political problem that the Sokovia Accord which is the document that they're going to sign okay. a- actually presents in this film because the problem with that is I, I don't necessarily, I can kind of intellectualize why Captain America is opposed to the Sarkovia Accord, and it turns out he's right for reasons. Well, but see, I, the thing is, he, he's wrong, actually. Like, that's, I, that's I, the thing. I actually fundamentally on a, am on Iron Man's side. I'm on Team the, Iron I, Man, too, I, actually. I, I, and I don't know how you could not be. Well, given what they've done. And I mean, especially what I like is you think the plot is going to vindicate uh, Captain America. But then what happens, like, is because Captain America decided he was above the law and that he knew better. Right. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. Like, that was one of the important points of the twist for me was the fact that instead of it having the normal Marvel arc where Captain America would be uh, justified in doing all this, you find out that 
all of this is actually his fault for deciding for for deciding that he knew better, right? That he wasn't going to follow yeah. uh, a a democratic law, right? And and that's 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 the kind of interesting nuance to the film. But I I the thing I'm curious about as a as a nitpick and kind of a a thing that left not a sour taste in my mouth, but just kind of left me interested thinking about the film was that I don't necessarily think that that discussion is on the screen as much as it's it's there because we have to think through it logically. Like I was still at the, at the point at which Captain America decides he's not going to sign the Sokovia Accord. I was feeling quite confused about why he feels that way. I'm not now you can certainly, you can certainly extract meaning from other films in this series as to why he would feel that way. Uh, and you can certainly extract meaning given by, what eventually happens because of the Sarkovia Accord. But I don't think in the moment, Captain America's refusal to sign the Sarkovia Accord actually makes much sense to me. Shahir, I have all the answers for you, but oh we have God. to get into spoilers before we do it. So but let's just, do just, that. But before we do that. Why? Oh my God. I'm trying to give you a moment here. dude. <laughs> I refuse your moment. I, no, what's to, up? I, I, I was saying we're trying to go around and have each of our opinions. I've stated mine. James has stated his. I see you jumping up and down in your seat. Matt hates the movie. We can tell yeah, that. Yeah, well, Matt, I'm, clearly I mean, you dislike this movie. Yeah. Listen, it, it was all right. <laughs> I mean, it was I'm no not, Batman versus Superman. No. no. In fact, but. I should probably just go with the default internet answer of meh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, you. everyone knows, everyone knows that me, me gushing about it for 10 minutes isn't going to help anything. I'd rather, Shahir, I would rather talk you through it and let you start feeling the, the <laughs> ultimate Marvel joy that I am. Right. So without, but, but before all that, did, uh, did, did, did any of the, did anything you just, you just loved it. That's it. That's I have one, I have one bad thing that I want to save to the end. Okay. Because it doesn't make sense but, but until just, uh, on, there's on one, a, I have one actually kind of large problem with it. Oh, but unabashedly just love this film. Yeah. Where does Look, it sit on your Marvel universe? I'm trying to get an opinion out of you. I, I think this in, it's so strange because again, Avengers is obviously number one, but it's number one for reasons that might not, that might not hold up over the course of time. You can't just keep saying, Oh, this movie is the greatest because it was the greatest in a series of things. Like, it, it, it can be, but at the same time, the reason the Avengers is so important to me and I think important to people that enjoy this kind of thing is it was the first time we would ever see. And if you're emotionally involved, feel something like that. And to have that helmed by Joss Whedon, someone who's writing, I incredibly respect, who's a character artist through and through. Um, I think that those sort of culminations of things really resonated with me on an I'll say it like a deep emotional level and whether or not that, you know, people, I mean, I think it did for a lot of people actually, weirdly enough, this movie, I feel like I liked more. Mm -hmm. I, I will say that straight up, but I couldn't have liked it as much had the other one not existed. So then at that point, what, what's more important? What are we judging? Yada, yada, yada. I would. And then it's like, well, I would, of course would watch this one again and again and again, just like I did Avengers, but this one's newer. Like, so I, I honestly just have to say this is this is if I if you had a gun to my head my favorite MCU movie right um but 
I do have one big problem with it, and I will save that for the end. And okay. uh, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler town. All right. James, if you could see him right now, he's jumping up and down on his seat. Like <laughs> listen, it's, it's kind of a sight to behold. Listen, I don't get I don't get happy about a lot of stuff, guys. OK, <laughs> yeah, you this are is, a miserable individual. I agree. This with is this. The, <laughs> <laughs> you see, he, he knows me. Everyone <laughs> in this room knows me very well, okay. even across the nation. Um, So. The movie opens. We'll just go straight into it. Uh, the Avengers are kind of batting cleanup, right, guys? They're doing a mission. Um, I forget where it was. Uh, in the it was it was in South Africa. It was right? in South Africa, but it wasn't in Wakanda. It was was it in South Africa. I, th- I thought it was in the Congo. But anyway, it might continue. have been in the Congo. I don't remember. The, the funny thing, actually, it's funny that we don't remember because every place they go to is slapped on the screen. Yeah, uh, but it's a, there's a mixture of real places and and places like Wakanda, yeah. which doesn't exist. Right? Sure, yeah. sure. Um, I was, oh God, I was waiting for Latveria, but they need to get that bad from Fox. Um, <laughs> but so they're on a routine mission to kind of catch uh, a leftover bad guy, Rumlow from Winter Soldier, a.k.a. Crossbones, um, from stealing a biological weapon. And the action, let's just say this straight up, the action throughout all this movie, I think we can all agree, and chime in if you don't, is kind of miraculously awesome. Like I was I was so-so on the action, to be honest with you. Really? Like, uh, I, and it's, it's one of those things where seeing the kind of shaky cam action on the big screen... Um, was a little disorientating, but when I went back and I watched it, because I don't, uh, James, I don't watch the trailers before the movie, so I watched the trailer after the movie. Um, He's that guy. I'm that guy. <laughs> the uh, the uh, the action was a little bit more comprehensible on a smaller screen to me, but, uh, you know, uh, I was, I think the thing is, is like my high bar for like action film, just from a pure spectacle point of view, is probably the raid of recent films where it's completely... You're well oriented, and you get to enjoy the spectacle of the action. And How I, is I, Mad Max not the answer there? Well, Mad Max is a good answer, but I do think the raid, as far as fight choreography, sure. is probably is probably one up on it in terms of like the sheer spectacle of the fight. Whereas I think Mad Max is a much more well integrated film. Um, no, I can give so, you that. I just wanted to to beat on you while giving props to Mad Max. Oh, like. d- trust me. The first, episode, <laughs> the first episode we did was Mad Max, and it was amazing because we're, we were always expecting Matt and I to fight about everything, and we got on to do this podcast, and it was like, we both love this movie. Yeah, Mad Max is kind of our, is kind of our, our joining, yeah, our Wonder Twin moment. <laughs> um, so I, I did... I did find the the fighting and the choreography of the fighting mixed with the way that they'd shot it a little bit disorientating, but it was, to me, it was kind of akin to The Dark Knight in a way, which was that the story was so, there was so much more about story in each scene that it didn't matter in a way. I, so, I will, oh, so what was that, James? Oh, I was, I was actually going to agree that um, I feel like the great thing about this film is that it reaches a number of audiences and brings them to understand why the other other audiences like the things they do in these films. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't there for the fight scenes, right? Yeah, um, no. And, but I do understand that they're essential to the film for a, an audience that is, right? It's the promise of the movie. You want to see people punching each other at some point. Uh, and right. And so, um, and so I was underwhelmed with the fighting, but my nephew loved it. Right. Right. I, I will say this. I think, uh, the criticisms are legit, especially in this first scene we're talking about. Yeah. I particularly like this style. It's sort of like, I would, I don't even know what to call it, but it's like half shaky cam. Cause it's not shaky all the time. Yeah. It's not trying to hide everything. It's trying to hide certain things. Well, and oh, what was that? Oh, I was just going to say, 
I feel like the airport scene where they embraced the inherent ridiculousness of yes. uh, sort of superhero fight scenes worked out much better than this initial yeah, scene. That's, yes. trying to get 100%. that's what I was going to sort of get into when, we, yeah, it is like it, the second, the big set piece that we've all seen in the trailer with that starts with them all running at each other. The way they shoot that once they just lean full into it is, is kind of spectacular. This first fight scene is grounded much more in reality. Now, granted Scarlet, Witch is flying Falcons got wings and uh, you know, a bunch of other things, you know, the random things, but like it's still captain America running and kicking a guy across a, a courtyard, um, you know, but then like the stuff that always gets me and God, Scarlett Johansson's stunt woman, uh, whoever that is, well, it, it, in uh, an age of Ultron, it was the blonde woman with the kid that you kept seeing pop up places. Oh, really? The one in the, in grand central, uh, grand no, central at the end, right? No, that was, that was in the first Avengers. Oh. Uh, in this one, it was just like the little kid that like Hawkeye goes back when they're trying to butter him up to make you think he's going to die. Right. Um, when Quicksilver saves the day or whatever. Anyway. <laughs> uh, she was in at that. I don't know if it's this, but like, I'm always mesmerized at like, at least for me, how they keep her sort of style of, I don't even know what kind of combat that is, but like feeling fresh and like, Oh my, like there's a couple moments in this fight and in winter soldier where I legit went like, Ooh, like I was just like, shit, like that looks like it hurt. And in a lot of this stuff, it's just sort of like we even said, like fluffy nonsense stuff. Now, again, it's a lot of fluffy nonsense stuff, but the couple hits where I, I felt it felt good. Anyway, the bottom line is at the end of this fight scene, um, Scarlet Witch uh, messes up a little bit. And in the spiritual sort of moment that was Stanford in the comic books, ends up killing a bunch of Wakandan, uh, basically goodwill ambassadors. Is that right? Uh n- or they yeah, were they were working. Like I'm, I'm not sure this is in Wakanda. No, no it's not. It's not in Wakanda. I, yeah. It might be in Nigeria. I wish I knew. I actually, I'm really sad because none of us know. And what's even worse is I'm actually looking at the Wikipedia like plot entry, and yep. nobody even bothers to mention what African country this is because the generic yeah, African country, right? Yeah. Um, but it was a real one. Right. I remember seeing the, I just don't remember the text of it. Well, the important thing was that the Wakandans were coming out to the world, right? The Wakandans yes. had hidden Wakanda forever. And this was an, em- like an embassy to one of the other na- African nations as part of their Wakandas on the scene. Right. 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 And uh, just for, for those who don't know, uh, Wakanda is not, uh, is a technologically advanced uh, nation, the it? most technologically advanced nation in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, uh, it brought it was introduced to us briefly um, in, in in Age, Age of Ultron, Ultron yeah. when Ultron steals all the vibranium, which is their major sort of product. Right. Um, not normally sold out. In fact, I believe Captain America's shield before uh, Claw, uh, what's his name, uh, who played him, who Ultron cut off his hand in that movie, he stole all the vibranium and then Ultron stole it from him. Like, they're, they they don't, like, just export this shit willy-nilly. Like, it's supposed to be important to them. They just got it stolen. It's amazing how complicated these stories can get, <laughs> you know, before we're, we're talking about, like, the, just the, we don't even know where this is, but there's so much history in the Marvel Universe right. at this point. Right. I mean, there's a lot of fictitious, I mean, I think the two biggest fictitious things in the comics are Wakanda and Latveria. Those are the two countries, and I'm not counting like the negative zone or the savage land or like any of that. The shit. nether like, region action. or the nether the region. nether region. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, <laughs> right in Stanley, he'll uh, <laughs> we can do that. Um, but um, so Scarlet Witch accidentally, uh, while saving Captain America, kind of inadvertently kills a bunch of Wakandan uh, delegates. And uh, that's when General Thunderbolt Ross from the Hulk movies. Yeah, I like that. Uh, rolls in and basically at first kind of politely in Avengers headquarters gives them the Sokovia Accord that all of the nations of the UN have 
basically said this needs to be done and now is basically mandating that the Avengers have UN oversight. Now, I get, Shahir, your sort of trepidation of this not feeling as weighty as like the freedom of choosing who knows your identity or not. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting and I'm glad that, cause again, I didn't know how they were going to pull this off. I didn't, I didn't even know really if they would, but so it, you kind of, if you hadn't seen the, the, the buildup of like United, we stand divided, we fall, they're going to fight. They're going to fight. They're going to fight. There's a couple moments where cap almost looks like he's okay with it. Obviously just to set up for people that haven't seen it, but you should have iron man is for it. Tony Stark uh, is feeling very guilty from all the stuff that happened in Sokovia and New York and even DC, which wasn't really his fault. And now this, his team where he wasn't even on the scene, he's feeling very, very guilty. And he's also remind there would they personalize the issue by, a woman confronting him at one of his shows at MIT, you know, a road show that he's at at MIT, that uh, he, that he was directly responsible for the death of her son. Yes, which which leads him to kind of fall into the the Sokovia. And court. it's moments like this that make all the silly shit we're talking about work. Like the the mother confronting him in that basement while they're waiting for the elevator. Like that resonated with me, and I got why he started to feel this way. Because before you remember Iron Man two, I mean I do. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, he was totally, he was telling Congress to fuck itself. Basically he was, he was total rogue nation guy. Yeah. And now I think with the weight of what he did with Ultron and now with the, you know, people being killed on his watch, he's starting to feel it. Um, but there's multiple moments in this movie where, uh, before they actually, before Steve Rogers decides he's not going to sign it, that sort of, you're not quite sure what he's going to do. And Tony's kind of talking him into it. And then like little things sort of happen to Steve Rogers throughout that kind of chip away at it. The Bucky story comes up later on. Also his long-term and only sort of love interest, real love interest, Peggy Carter actually passes away and he goes to her funeral. And she always told him to, you know, uh, what was it? It was something along the lines of like, um, you know, give in when you can't, or like, um, compromise when you can, but when you can't don't or something like that, it was, a, he, he'd already made the decision not to sign it. No, he was, he was going back and forth on it. Then she died. And then he made the, de- the, the definitive decision. Right. Right. Uh, anyway, lots of little moments that sort of made me believe that he was torn about it. And then the death of Peggy Carter and Bucky, uh, sort of being, he decided not to sign it after the funeral. Then uh, the nations were coming together to sign the Sokovia Accord, including Wakanda. And Bucky reappears, supposedly. Or does he? Well, okay, so now we're, we're into the, 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 what was ostensibly my, not biggest problem, but just kind of a thing that was like, huh, I'm not sure how this works. What did you guys think of the Sokovia Accord and... Uh, and, uh, the scene when they're going to sign it. Well, it's just, it's it's real. No, no, no. The actual accord itself. It's it's the it's the basis for the title of the film. Uh, what did you guys think about it? B- well, d- define that question a little bit better because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I didn't get a chance. Better, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't get the chance to read the the accord. No. Well, okay. So well, what <laughs> I is got the about accord? halfway through. It was a little yeah, dry. I mean, it's all the same, and then there's all the addendums and bullshit lunches. Yeah, and what then periodically it? there's some pork barrel stuff in there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Why are we building a dam in the Zakovia War Accord? <laughs> and it gets confusing. What What do you guys like? Where would you land on the Sokovia Accord? Where would like? Are you for the Avengers being mandated by a you you know like being uh, having oversight by like a United Nations type front, or are you against it? I mean, the cowboy in me says no, but the realist in me, if we're but, basing this in reality, would say yes. See, right. 
I I actually believe in in the democratic rule of law and mm-hmm. so I am absolutely for I mean just in the same way that I wouldn't want a police agency I don't want the FBI or the CIA to operate without oversight and without being uh liable under the law, right? I think that it's actually what protects us as citizens from the groups that we hand power to. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And and I, yeah, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. And so like, for me, it's, it's very clear that I think that the Segovia Accords are completely reasonable. And especially that moment where the general's in there talking to him and he goes, uh, so where are Thor and the Hulk, right? And yes. you're like, uh, and he goes, do you, what do you think would happen if I lost two nukes, right? Yeah. They would start asking for oversight. Yep. And I think that's a completely reasonable parallel. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, do you feel that, so the film is setting up these two binaries. Do you feel that Steve, Ro- Steve Rogers, Captain America offers a compelling counter, bi- counter argument? He, he offers one emotionally. What is his emotional argument? The emotional argument is he, first of all, A, still thinks that, look, first of all, you have to know that Captain America is a man out of time. He sees the way the United States is now and hasn't liked it since he woke up. And that's that's sort of seen throughout the other movies, and you kind of see it here in particular. Then his world starts falling apart. Bucky is blamed for the bombing that happens at the signing. Right. And then he's like, he's been hunting for Bucky forever. And for since Winter Soldier, sorry, not forever. And then um then Peggy Carter dies previously. All this stuff is sort of pushing him to be like, Well, no, this world isn't this is this world isn't the world I believed in. This world isn't the world that like my America in a sense. And he does I do honestly think that if Steve Rogers had the power to oversee everything, if that was his superpower, he would not need oversight per se, but he doesn't, he's, he's a brilliant tactician and he's a super soldier and he's probably the nicest man in this world. But the whole, the whole point of the film is that he is dead wrong, right? Right. Like that's, that is everything building up to it. And I think, so it's interesting because your problem was initially my problem with this film as well, that there's no clear, compelling reason, especially for Captain America, who's supposed to be fighting for the democratic way of life, right? Right. Uh, To do this. And then it hit me that that's the point, that he doesn't have any good reason other than personal arrogance, right? Of thinking that he is the law um, and that he knows better because what he says is, oh, all these politicians shouldn't just decide for us. They're biased by things. And then he makes a decision for everyone else out of personal bias. Yes. Right. Yep. Uh, and he's too blinded to see that. And I think that's actually what it's saying. And I think it's actually important that he doesn't have a good, compelling counter argument. Yeah. Right. And, that, and I guess, but that to, that to me is a revelation that is revealed to us through the film. I'm not entirely sure it's revealed to him. And I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure he himself has a compelling argument in this film. Like so, I don't. I like. And my point there is, I don't see why everything we know about Captain America mm-hmm. doesn't say, okay, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, he's worked under Shield. He's worked under the U.S. government. But they've all kind of screwed him or been poisoned in a way. Shield. Shield had Hydra in it from almost the beginning and no one in this democratic sort of oversight thing saw it. And it would be interesting if he said that, but he doesn't, he just says, I don't want to sign this. And I think this, this, the, the interesting thing is now 
where I can glean sort of meaning from films that I will say even in Winter Soldier sort of on par with this, but lesser like the lesser sort of emotionally driven films that I sort of really dive into and take probably more emotion out of them than than is probably meant to or that is uh, experienced by most people. That stuff bleeds through to this movie. Everything that's happened to Captain America since he woke up and ran around that god awful green screen Times Square, <laughs> yeah. um, like has just sort of like he used to love this country and believe in this country, and he's literally what he's a ninety or a hundred something year old man at this point. Something I like mean, that. in 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 obviously his young man body, but like he has ideals from the forties. Right, but does those ideals transcend to not operating like like being a vigilante? Those ideals, those ideals, and destroying cities, those, and potentially causing major collateral if, damage. If he thinks it's for the greater good, yes. But what's weird to me is his whole deal is fighting fascism, right? Like that's mm-hmm. where Captain America originated. Yes, and yet uh, what we see him take here, what what I thought was interesting is watch him fall into being above that that right. rule of law right yeah i can see that um, but I, yeah and 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 i completely agree with you james i just i'm i'm not sure it's actually in the text so i don't think like, it's directly in the dialogue i 100% no. agree not even with in the there. dialogue i just i do, i feel like uh the more i think about the actual binary that's created here because of the sokovia accord i feel like it's more of a a plot mechanism now, but I feel it, like it's it's more than a plot mechanism due to the other films. And if you followed Captain America's story and right. paid enough attention to it, not, I'm not saying that you didn't pay attention, yeah. but you didn't you didn't no, really I, invest in this character before. Now I would say, right? I, is that a no, fair? I, what I'm saying is, I don't even even think I think I'm a fairly astute viewer of films, and I would say the reasoning for him to say no isn't in this film, and I don't even know if it's in. Other films. Now, I think what James is saying is correct to the actual storyline, which is, I think, but I don't think we see Captain America make the same kind of conclusions that James just made about realizing that he is above fascism. Like, does he even actually. No, but he's misguided. That's the point. He's misguided, but I don't think he realizes that. And and, And that realization is important to him choosing not to sign this document i'm guess so and, and, no, i and, think i think him not realizing he is misguided is what allows him to not sign the document and right. i think that what we're going to see given where the film ended i think that we're going to see a revelation for captain america later on mm-hmm. um but perhaps, it doesn't happen in this captain no, america it film. is not it is his revelation his realization that that he I don't think is, he even realizes that Zemo oh what, what is his name Zemo Zemo Helmet Zemo is actually a direct result of his own actions. I don't think he he makes that connection because he's not the person who apprehends Zemo at the end. Am I right? Uh which one was Helmet Zemo? Is he, he was the guy that was sort of he was the, the plot mechanization, the bad guy who like set up the whole thing for the confrontation. Okay, uh, he's the, the bad end. guy who's totally reasonable. Unlike all yeah. the other yeah. bad yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this bad guy. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. that but moment I don't, at the I don't end, think Captain that so realization happens to Captain America. Right. I, I I completely agree with you. I don't think he ever has the realization that he was fighting authoritarianism and then just goes on an authoritarian jag here, right? The entire right. film. He does it, but that's the cool part. That's what we're right. saying is he does not have that revelation. He just does it because he thinks his, he thinks whatever he thinks is kind of for the little guy in democracy, but what he's actually doing right. is the opposite. Right. Now, authoritarianism what, is bad, except when 
when I do it. When I'm right, right. But then it's not when I do it. It's, you know, the like... Thing, then the it's fighting is, for think, justice, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I think the conclusions that we've all drawn here are are valid and interesting and make the film more interesting. But I don't think that it's necessarily in the film. So I, I think it's throughout the film. I, I, I would say that given the final sequence where we find out just how wrong Captain America actually is, how if he and Bucky, if Bucky had decided that he wasn't also above the law and had said, I'm innocent and gone and turned himself in, none of this would have resolved either. Right. right? right. Uh, like, and clearly all of this, the guy's timeline is super short. Before Bucky ever went to trial, it would have been very clear that he did not do this, right? Like it's yes, given right. to us in the film. And so- the reason that I think that this is not reading reading too much into the text is that that last moment, just just everything about it isolates. Okay, Captain America, this is your fault because uh, all of this was a lot. You weren't right, right? This guy's like, oh my god, we have to operate non governmentally because we have to stop this guy who's going to unleash these four or five super soldiers on the world. It was wrong, right? Right. Uh, yep. And in fact, he walks them all into a trap, a trap which was designed to split them apart, which it does, right? And then on top of that, we were shown that he made the conscious decision to not tell uh, <laughs> Iron Man yep. about uh, This is Bucky. A, a story point that we might get into a little bit later. Right, on. and we should definitely talk about that one. But yes. yeah, yeah. these are all things where he made decisions for other people. Right. Uh, where he is really doing the very thing that he's supposed to be opposed to. And so I think because of how much they hammered on that at the end, I think they are trying to say it with the film, even if it's nowhere in the dialogue because he has no personal realization during this film. Although I think he will. And given the fact that he died in the comic Civil War, yeah. we may have a, a we may have an epic death of of. Um, I, of Captain America upon realizing like this and redeeming himself through death, right? Um, yeah. As a setup in a future film, but you're right. you're right. He does not realize it this film at all. And, and the only thing I would say, and yeah, I again, I think that that's a really good inference from the text. But the only other thing I would say is that it feels like Captain America is vindicated in his decision not to sign the accord because at some point the entire Avengers team is imprisoned by the by the oversight committee. And I feel but like that's but a vindication. His that's actions. his consequence. But, but yeah. I think, but I think that's that's a vindication of his hesitance to sign it, which was that they would arrest him for being a vigilante in his head. Right. Right. Mm. But then that's exactly. We're all sort right. of to us, it, the viewer. It's right. clearly not a vindication, right? Like yes. he's telling himself it is. But the whole point is that as a viewer, we're supposed to see how how wrong he is, right? Like right. how and all of his actions led to all the consequences that are negative in the entire film. But Shahir, what you're saying is this particular aspect didn't work for you in that way. I don't think it didn't. I don't think the film is playing particularly on that complex. Like that is a- Oh, is, I do. That is a that is a level of uh, narrative- duality and deception that I don't think the film is actually consciously operating on. I think on. it I, is. I, I think I, it is. I, 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 Given I the monologue at the end, like... Yeah. Uh, that, like, the monologue where he says, uh, I'll always be there for you? No, no, no. Right? I meant the, the villain's monologue. Yes. Um, I think the villain's monologue is... 
Well, let's let's we we've been we've been going. I don't think any of us are going to change each other's minds about this no, little no. part. I, I I think you guys are going to a to a degree to like to convince me about the movie. But I know, it is a but thing. I think let's go. I think I can convince you by the end. Um, can I say one final thing? Oh about God! Yes, yeah, here go. Jesus. <laughs> and go. Okay. The one thing I will say is that um, is that despite that issue I have, the film is is so overwhelming in terms of content mm-hmm. and things happen so fast. It's kind of one of those things that if you stop and think about it, it can hammer you down. But I don't think you need to necessarily in order to enjoy the film. Well, and one thing I will also say is I think you your response is completely valid. And part I, I will confess I am in part uh, motivated because – I really do believe there was that depth of writing to this, and I really want to see that in future Marvel films. Like yeah, I'd you, like to see that as well. Right. I enjoy them, but they're not they're not film of the year for me. They're not they're they're a good way to spend a weekend, but nothing I will remember my whole life. Yeah. This is getting closer to that, right? Um, it's getting a step closer, certainly for me as well. And and I would love to see them embrace that and really decide, okay, we can trust our audience to see the duality in the film while still providing really cool action scenes and pithy one-liners and all this awesome stuff that Marvel Universe is known for. And I think I think the my, where I'm coming from from this whole thing is, and it's interesting because I think we run now the spectrum. So let's, I'm going to be sort of the blind faithful. Like I believe this is what they're going for. I see things, I think I see things that point me in that direction. I, and, and I, I believe so hard that they're going to do it in the future. I think James, you sort of sit in the, you saw it here yes. and knowing, knowing the, the sort of pedigree of this and sort of where the characters probably are going to go due to comic book stories and whatnot. You can see the potential for them doing it down the road. And that's sort of why you buy in. Yes. Right. And I and mean, then I Shahir, do see it genuinely here. Right. Right. And I really and, do hope that in the future films and I can see it as possible. Like I'm hoping that's the direction they're going. Yeah. And where Shahir, I feel like because and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you don't particularly like this episodic continuity. Now, you think it sort of hinders what a film can actually be in a lot of cases. I, I'm just saying because of that sort of standpoint, and it's a totally valid standpoint. I just think that that you 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 wouldn't have taken the stuff sort of with you from before because that's not what you're interested in. That's not what the other films didn't interest you enough to have you bring it here. So like, I think that's another reason why this, this, this part of this movie feels incomplete for you because you've seen the rest. You're not impressed. You like this one, (laughs) but it's not enough to make you think that the rest of them are going to impress you in a weird sort of way. I was hoping you would keep rhyming there. (laughs) Oh damn it. I screwed it up. (laughs) No, I it's, it's a, it's a valid point. I do think that this film is takes, takes my interest in the Marvel universe one step further um, but, but, uh, but they're not, they're still like, will I watch this film again? Will I remember it? I, I'm not sure. I, I don't, I don't feel compelled to rewatch it at this point, but I, you know, but I did enjoy it. Okay. And All it's right, interesting enough. for me what you say. I will remember this film if the payoff is really there in the next one. Right. Right. Um, and th- I think, but that's a lot to ask for, for, for me personally, that's a lot to ask. I don't it, think it's not for me anyway anymore. Well, the thing that's that's so fascinating to me is I will remember this film as as a turning point in the Marvel universe if they actually continue down this if they, route. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, if they if 
Because yeah. as weird as it sounds, right, genre stuff is amazing, just like horror is amazing, because with fantasy, with sci-fi, and with comics, we have this opportunity to turn a lens on our own society and on our own behavior in a way that's, um, that's more approachable, more palatable than simply uh, in a drama or just hitting the nail on the head, right, and saying these things. And so we've used science fiction and fantasy as very often lenses for for our moral society and as modern philosophy, as modern examinations of who we are. And I think it's actually important, given the size of the, the Marvel films and the Marvel universe, that they pick up that mantle a little bit. And I saw them starting to hear. And if it continues, if that continues, I will remember this film as as a turning point in saying what a superhero film can be, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I like that. And I believe, damn it. <laughs> okay, so just moving the plot along to get us down. Bucky is accused of doing this thing. Cap goes to kind of sort of rescue him, kind of. They get into a big chase scene with the Black Panther because in the bombing that happened at the Sokovia Accords, Black Panther's father gets killed, passing the mantle of King of Wakanda and the Black Panther to his son, uh, T'Challa. Uh, and so he now feels that because Bucky is accused of doing this, that he has to kill him to avenge his father. Uh, meanwhile, Cap is trying to protect him trying to protect, I'm sorry, uh, Bucky, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier, who actually didn't do it, and Helmet Zemo, this guy who's been working sort of in the background, the most reasonable, I would say, Marvel villain, and I'm so glad they didn't go the comic book route with this guy because he's, he's just a maniacal dude that wears a sock on his head, basically, um, is working through the shadows to sort of frame Bucky and set up this whole big thing, basically pitting the Avengers against each other. And eventually, uh, Cap finds out that he's supposed to be, like, basically waking up more Winter Soldiers and going to sort of put terror on the world. Um, and then he decides with a ragtag group of Avengers in his gang that uh, he needs to go to where these uh, Winter Soldiers are being held and stop Zemo. Now, this is where the set piece happens, the giant one we've seen in the in the in the trailers and whatnot. And, uh, you know, this this scene for me is a great payoff. I love it to death. Uh, Spider-Man's introduced. Oh, God, the whole Tony Stark thing at Spider-Man's house is wonderful. James, what did you think of that? Oh, I loved it. And I love their interaction. I love the fact that Tony Stark doesn't just make all of Spider-Man's tech from. I actually thought this was one of the best representations of young Spider-Man we've ever seen on film. Yes, 100% agree. Uh, yeah, I uh, on board. Uh, Ant-Man, wonderful. The giant man conversion, I ate up with the damn spoon. What I loved about this particular scene as well is it made me enjoy that character 100% more than the actual film that he was in. Because Ant-Man's a supporting character anyway, right? One thing I will say about this scene, which I think is great, is that uh, the Rousseau brothers managed to pick up the vocabulary of each individual character and mash them into give, into this one into this one fight scene really elegantly. Yes, uh, and I, I the visuals were spectacular. Spider Man was great. He was doing witty shit, which never fucking happens, and I love to death. And I'm I'm worried about Spider Man in that sense that he is great in this film, and I'm I'm like I I I'm not. You know, like the way they use him in this film is a supporting character, and he's a kind of fun supporting character. Yeah, they're going to put Robert Downey Jr. in, and it's going to be fun. Well, <laughs> the especially for young Spider-Man, right? Like, I understand that there's more gravitas, and we get to some of the stuff as we get to an older Spider-Man. But if you're going to have teenager Spider-Man, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, this film he's perfect for, but to carry a whole film, that frightens me. 
Yeah, I just I don't know if I can do it. And I I think I like I like the Marvel movies more when they're Avengers movies with something on their mind. Yeah. Well, what's on Cap and Bucky's mind right now is stopping the new batch of frosty super soldiers. So they end up stealing a Quinjet and they go off to do that. But Tony Stark finds out that Bucky is not actually that Cap was sort of right in that sense that Bucky did not do the bomb and was set up and flies out on his own. Uh, to go sort of sort of roguely help him. And we're leaving some stuff out. Obviously, in the big battle, the big the, 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 the thing that happens that has meaning is Rhodey gets shot by the vision who got distracted, who didn't think he could be. Um, <laughs> and in the, in the comics, uh, giant man, uh, giant man dies. Uh, a character giant, dies. Giant Ant-Man? Or? No, just giant man. Uh, <laughs> it's a dude who he gets shot by clone Thor. It's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't try and explain this. Yeah. One. If we if we had another two in the region. Yeah, it happens in the nether region. So I just want to get to the very end because I know we got to wrap this up. We've been yammering. Um, <clears throat> basically, the whole plot of Baron Zemo or Zemo Helmet Zemo was to get Cap and Iron Man to finally confront the truth that the Winter Soldier, there are no other Winter Soldiers, but the Winter Soldier back in the day is responsible for Tony Stark's parents' death. And that... And the fact that we kind of knew that from Winter Soldier. You gleaned it from when he was in... Um, when he was in Zola's sort of computer brain scene with with uh, with uh, Scarlett Johansson, uh, but now you find out that not only did he not know, he did not tell Tony. Captain America did not tell Tony that that Bucky was responsible for the death of his parents, and that's what brings this sort of full circle resonance of kind of emotional gravitas to this entire conflict. Before it was just politics, and now it's personal. How does everyone feel about that? Well, I think it's more than that. It's also the fact that that Captain America made a decision that everything he's been saying says he doesn't have the right to make, right? Um, mm-hmm. That that he's choosing what it's best for other people to know and not know without ever consulting them, right? Yeah. And I, I think that that, again, shows us how flawed this Captain America is. And I actually think it's really interesting to have a flawed Captain America. That's not a criticism of Captain America or their mm. character choices for Captain America. Yeah. Um, but I think it goes again to show us just how flawed this character is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like this. This is sort of my final thing on the plot. And then we'll do just final thoughts. Of the movie is I like it because the villain wins. Well, no, he gets his point across. He, it actually happens. What hap- what he wants to happen happens. Well, the great thing is the villain, the villain's very explicit there because of what the Avengers have done. There is no winning anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, that that's the whole thing that by these guys operating as a uh, as sort of a rogue group, the very the consequences of their actions, even though each in each individual case, they've tried to make things better. And in some ways they have mm-hmm. uh, they've destroyed that path to any positive outcome. Right. Yeah, this, I mean, collateral damage is devastating if you're on the receiving end of it. Doesn't matter how how well you can justify it away. Yeah, and Zemo was from Sokovia. That was his whole thing. His family died in Sokovia, and there's this beautiful sort of moment where you think he's just talking to his wife in the beginning of the film. That one was amazing. Yeah, oh and then you God. find out you find out that it's just a recording. The last time he spoke to his wife and heard his son, I believe, on the phone. And when he deletes it at the end, uh, oh my God, it was so good. Yeah. So it was probably the most successful Marvel villain since Loki. Well, and that's that's one of those moments that, again, made me think that they they were clearly very conscious of the writing throughout, um, Mm -hmm. which 
which is something I have not yet come to expect as much from Marvel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's probably been my biggest thing is that I, I just, I often don't think that the films pit the, the films are built around their heroes, but they're never pitted against interesting villains. Um, and this was one where I was kind of, and what's great about this one is that the villain has no superpower. The villain is basically a point of view. Well, and what's amazing is you've got Captain America who says, I basically will not be beholden to mortal men with all their flaws, right? Right. And then he's completely outsmarted and outdone by a mortal man specifically who has, whether or not you think it is flawed, a a moral perspective, right? Who is fighting yeah, right. for a moral in the way that Captain America is supposed to be. Yeah. I think the ending took me by surprise yeah. in a in a in a way in a way that I um I wasn't expecting and and I and I yeah like I say I think the film pitted you know it, it sells you on it being Captain America versus Iron Man but mm-hmm. it's really the philosophy of the Avengers versus the philosophy of consequentialism or utilitarianism sure. or something like that yeah. yeah so real quick final thoughts James I want you to end it up so Shahir real quick final thought. Um, yeah, I look, I did enjoy this film. I think, uh, like James pointed out, um, I think this is, uh, a step in the direction that I personally would want to see a Marvel movie go. I think there are flaws to the film and, and things that leave me, uh, uh, asking questions. And, and I don't think we've kind of completely answered them here in the way that I think James said again, which is that if it is answered in another film, I think I will appreciate this film more, but I'm not sure it's exactly answered in this film. Um, so that, that to me kind of leaves a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth, but I do, I do think, you know, like the film delivers on people punching each other. (laughs) So, so, you know, that's good. (laughs) Um, would you say to see it? Would you tell people to see it? I certainly think if you're a Marvel fan, if you're an action movie fan, you are, you'd be an idiot not to see it. I want you to understand, James, the fact that he just said that is the most weird thing. It's like a, it's watching an animal walk on its hind legs. <laughs> uh, my quick final thought before James takes us home. Uh, I will watch this film an infinite number of times. I love it. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. If that's not even clear, my one concern with it that I said I'd bring up, the only thing is this is my emotional gravitas for the Marvel cinematic universe. Civil war has always been one of my favorite stories. And to be quite honest, I don't know how they're going to make me care this much again with the phase three story arc. Mm -hmm. Like Thanos to me is just another big cosmic bad guy that courts death. Like, that's cool to like little comic book me, but like, it's not going to have, even with the fate of the world on, on the, on the line, it's not going to weigh as much to me and it's not going to feel as important as this film felt. So I hope that like what we talked about, the consequences of this film play through. If they don't, I think they might have outdone the cinematic universe and they'll have to, if they go back to worse shit, it's going to kind of fall apart. Uh, James, take us home, buddy. So, I mean, I'm basically in agreement with both of you. I, is this a perfect film? No. Is it even a great film that's going to change your life? No. Is it, though, a great Marvel film? Yes. And to me, it is the best of the Marvel films. If you like Marvel, like, this is an incredible film that points him in an incredible direction. It was much more powerful with much more of a payoff for me than I think any of the other films. And uh, it's really what I hope 
we can start doing the conversations we can start having around these films, right? I've loved having this conversation with you guys and the fact that we can leave a Marvel film and have a coffee shop discussion for the next right. hour yeah. is, is fantastic. So I loved it. I would highly recommend it for anyone who's even remotely interested in this sort of thing. All right. Well, this has been the only podcast about Captain America's Civil War, guys. We did it. <laughs> James, nobody else talking about it. Where no. can people find you? You're you're fucking everywhere. <laughs> I have periodically been known to grace the internet. Um, so yeah, if any of you guys want to watch and hear more of this discussion, really about games, because I'm a game designer and that's been my trade for many years, uh, feel free to Google extra credits and you will find our show where we have this sort of discussion about all the different games today and how to build games as well as talk about history. So yeah, that's me. Extra credits. Extra history. Extra history is wonderful. Check out everything that extra credits and all their, their, their subsidiary channels do on YouTube. It is phenomenal stuff. It will make you think about things that you didn't even know you loved thinking about. And it's, it's a wonderful experience. I'm a big fan now, James, uh, having just uh, started watching the show recently. I think it's fantastic work that you're doing over there. Awesome. Thank you. Shahir, where can people find you, buddy? Um, uh, you can see me and all of my work at shahirdaud.com S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D you can see my films my writings my Twitter Facebook Instagram all that good stuff is there check out my robot music video coming out he's got a robot music video James he swears to God it's coming (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm holding you to this we'll see and and you can find me at matthewkroll.com M-A-T-T-H-W-K-R-O-L or Emperor MSK on Twitter or Skeletor the number four P-R-E-Z on Instagram I'm all there guys this has been my favorite conversation I think I've ever (laughs) had (laughs) Um, I don't even know what song we're going to play. I'm so excited. But uh, James, any ideas on what song we should end with? Oh, that's 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 really a good question. Since I, we started with Guns N' Roses Civil War. I was actually about to say, like, GNR is super appropriate right here. It kind of is. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, God, go see this movie. Maybe just once. <laughs> a million times. <laughs> Wait one second, true believers. We still have a little more show for you that we couldn't cram in before because we love our listeners and we what? I know. And we got a wonderful uh Civil War little piece coming in here. Uh Shahir. So yeah, we're being a bit more active on the Facebook page. Check us out on Facebook, the only movie, the only podcast about movies. I'm gonna say that right. Um, <laughs> and we're uh and we asked people what they thought about Ca- um Captain America Civil War before the before we recorded, and we got this lovely message from Patrick Joseph. Uh, who says another triumph for the house that Spidey built as a comic fan. My first instinct is to hold this adaptation up to the story that inspired it to see how it fared while drastically different from Miller's masterpiece. I'm delighted by this film's ability to present us with the same moral dilemmas within the same cinematic universe, specifically the choice to use winter soldier as a symbol of this conflict was nothing short of brilliant. Not only does this emphasize uh, not only does the emphasis on his character remind us that this is um, that this is first and foremost a Captain America movie, but his unique situation as a hero turned villain against his will makes us question if he is truly responsible for his action. This in turn forces us to question the responsibility of every hero present. Damn fine storytelling. I think that that's actually a really again that's what that's one of those emails that's that's more convincing to me than the film itself necessarily. 
but I do think it's a good film. But I, I think he makes really good points. He makes excellent points. Look, I've known Patrick for a while now. He's yeah. one of uh, my my old Jersey friends, and he he uh, he is one of my best gaming buddies too. We we right. do a whole thing about uh, a yearly gaming party thing that he throws, and it's brilliant. But uh, that's I mean, it's all it's all, I believe in everything he said. It's a hundred percent there. Patrick's a super smart guy, and I hope that it furthers Shahir. Well, it uh, your belief. I know we're the only podcast about movies, but there was an interesting article that uh, oh, articles aren't podcasts. You hear? That's true. That's true. Yeah, I, articles I, are podcasts for your eyes to for read. Your eyes, yeah, for your yeah. <laughs> I get it. Um, Matt Singer over at Screen Crush uh, wrote an interesting article, which was the one thematic line tying together all the all the uh, superheroes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he wrote that in his opinion, it's choice. It's whether you have the choice to be a hero or not. And I think it's something that Spider-Man echoes in this film. It's something that... He can't go to Germany. He has homework. It's um, Well, he says, what's his line? Which is that if someone... If you have the opportunity to help someone and you don't, it's your fault that they yeah. get hurt. Yeah. Which I th- you know, if you choose not to. And the interesting thing about uh, Patrick's email where he mentions Winter Soldier is the Winter Soldier is the one person who has no choice in this film. He has to do these things because he's programmed to do it. Um, and at the end of the film, he makes uh, a choice to put himself out, to take himself out of the equation. And I think it's a really, I think that's an interesting line to look at the, uh, to, to, to look at these films through. Yeah. And Shahir, if, if I can convince you, if James can't convince you, if Patrick can't convince you, I have one way I think I can convince you at the end of this podcast. Oh God, what is it? Is it a giant Captain America? Weekend? Longing. Rusted seventeen. No, wait. Daybreak. Don't do it. Furnace. Don't do it. Nine. Don't do it. Begin. No. Homecoming. No. One. Wait. This is freight really car. Long. Soldier. Is, uh, I love Captain America. Yeah. <laughs>